your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught one. Yeah, first down. Hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender. 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a great day today. Halfway toward another weekend here. And on campus, it's finals week. Going on at UNL. Graduation would have taken place this weekend. We're going to talk about that and more coming up here in a few minutes with the president of the University of Nebraska, Ted Carter. Also, later on in the hour, we'll have our Husker huddle for the week as Jeremiah Searles will sit down and chat with former Husker, now a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Luke Gifford will join Jeremiah coming up a little bit later on in the hour. Some more interesting comments today from another prominent college football head coach, and that was Penn State's James Franklin that kind of – singing the same theme that we've heard from a couple of different people, that you don't necessarily have to have everybody in the conference as a go to have a season coming up this year. So another guy kind of checking that box that, well, you have a 14-team conference like the Big Ten. If only 12 can play, maybe those 12 do go ahead and play. You don't have to have all 14 ready to roll to get a college football season underway. So we'll give you some more thoughts about that. Nebraska loses a high-profile Young man from the Omaha area that we'll discuss tonight as well here on the program. So, But first, as we have the last several Wednesday, a chance to sit down with the president of the University of Nebraska, and that's President Ted Carter. President, thank you for joining us again tonight. I just mentioned that it is finals week, which would have been followed up by commencement ceremonies at the campuses around the state. And I know the chancellors have been creative in trying to make, make this a special occasion for all of them. What what are your reflections as you think back to your first semester here for the work done by your faculty, the staff, and certainly the students as they finish out their college careers? Well, thanks, Greg. I, first, I just want to say congratulations to the class of 2020. Uh, certainly this year has probably not gone the way a lot of them have imagined it would, uh, and it's going to be one for the record books. I mean, uh, it'd probably be the most unique graduating class certainly within the last hundred years and uh, let's all make sure that we celebrate them however we can do that whether it be at lincoln or any of our other campuses you know for our ncaa athletes for our students uh, everyone i mean uh, a lot of them had to endure some hardships in getting through this year uh, i'm proud of them i'm optimistic for the future and i'd also like to say a special thank you to our faculty and staff they have stood up and come forward and done a phenomenal job as we transition to remote education this year. Uh, I'm just proud of everybody. It's going to be a, a while before we get back to, uh, uh, you know, the normal that we remembered. We're going to be in a new normal, um, but together we're all going to do this well. Well, let me, let me just uh, say you're the commencement addresser for this group this year. What kind of advice would you have for this class as they get ready to enter out into the world? Well, what I would tell them is uh, the lessons that they have learned here just in this last half semester are really life lessons. Some uh, pretty dramatic, but, uh, you know, life is never going to exactly just turn out the way you always expect it to. Uh, you make your own best fortune. 
but you have to be ready for the unexpected. You know, as I've always learned in my 38-year career in the Navy and even coming here to Nebraska, you know, before you go through that right open door, there's going to be a lot of doors that close on you first and be ready for the one that opens and take that opportunity to make the best of it. Well, let's let's talk to the next generations of students here, if we could. The high school seniors who they have the same situation. They've had a lot of different things for their final semester of high school. Some words of wisdom for them and also for those that may be thinking, boy, as as uncertain as it is right now, maybe I take a year off. I think they call that a, a gap year. Your thoughts and maybe some words of advice for those high school students. Well, we know a lot of people have some big decisions to make. Uh, the affordability and the access of a, a college education is fantastic here in Nebraska. We've done everything we we can with Nebraska Promise by declaring that we're going to be open in the fall and using common sense and a very calculated approach to make sure that our students are safe. Uh, I know we're going to have an expansive, a lot more amount of testing uh, and contact tracing. We're, we're going to have the ability to have our campus and have the full experiential college campus uh, ready and available for them. And for those that are thinking about maybe that gap year because they're not sure, uh, I would just tell you, even though that's completely your freedom, your family's decision, uh, think about that. Uh, you know, most gap years are followed with uh, some international travel, a chance to get around the world, maybe go into the workforce for a little bit. A lot of those things may not be as available as you think. Uh, and you may not want to uh, lose out on that ability to start your journey towards a lifetime of earning. A college degree is worth anywhere from 750000 to a million dollars of lifetime earning. To take that gap year means that you're going to take at least one year of that advancement towards that away. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that we've tried to make sure that students have an extended amount of time to make that decision. We moved that decision point from one May to one June. And I would just tell you that... Uh, We've got a campus ready for you, tailored for you, and uh, college at the University of Nebraska is uh, available to everyone. Yeah, we're visiting with NU President Ted Carter here on Sports Sunday on the Husker Sports Network. President, uh, you know, a lot of students, maybe this is the first time for them to, to do some online classwork. How, how much will online learning still be a part of the university moving forward? Well, I think we've certainly learned a lot more about the online and remote education. You know, uh, on average here at the University of Nebraska, about one out of every three students takes some additional courses uh, online. Uh, I think that population will grow. I think they've seen the advantage of the flexibility of that. So we want to make sure that those programs are available. I will tell you just for the summer programs, which uh, we made the determination we would be all remote or online. Uh, we did some additional offerings to make it more attractive to students, and we've seen a significant growth uh, at Lincoln and Omaha. Uh, at least one and a half times more students uh, doing remote education in Omaha and about 35% more uh, here in Lincoln. So online education is going to be here to stay. Um, but remember, it's a vehicle to deliver the education mission. It's not the full answer. And I would tell you that uh, being on campus is the full experience. Uh, so I think most students still want that experience, uh, and we're going to make sure that's available for everyone. We, we've done, we've talked a lot about the impact that the university has had, has on the state 
on a yearly basis. And I saw a figure that each graduating class of the university is about $2.4 billion, the impact on the state's economy. So just how important is this university to continue producing these graduating classes for the state of Nebraska's workforce? Well, there's no doubt about it. We are a huge economic driver for the entire state. Uh, those figures that you hi- you highlighted uh, speak to the idea that for every one dollar of state funding that we get, those precious tax dollars from Nebraskans, uh, we return that seven times over. Uh, so we do not want to see that uh, amazing assembly line of what we do for college education. Uh, you know, working on the personal growth of our of our youth to go into the workforce. Uh, to be interrupted. And that's one of the reasons that we're spending so much time studying this, making sure that we're going to have it right and keeping our students safe as we get ready to open the campus in the fall. We, we talked wait, earlier wait. about the graduating seniors and getting ready to head out of the workforce for your current student body. A lot of them would have had internships or things that have lined up for the summer that may now have fallen through because of the current climate that we have uh, out there in the workforce. Any advice for, for a student who's like, okay, now what do I do this summer? I thought I had something set. Now that's been delayed, postponed, canceled away from me. What advice would you have for those students? Well, I think as we have uh, the freedom of our state of Nebraska starting to open up, I would look for opportunities maybe that involve volunteerism. Uh, there may be some other jobs that maybe aren't the, you know, the internship that someone might have looked for. Uh, those are certainly opportunities that I would explore. But I'd also explore maybe on a small scale uh, looking at some of our online offerings. As I said, we're offering many more courses uh, for students to kind of stay tuned up and uh, be ready to go into action in the fall. Very good. President, we've been running some old Husker football games on Friday night. The one we're going to run this Friday night is from 1978, Oklahoma, Nebraska, where the defensive star of the game was a guy by the name of Jim Pillen, who's currently the chairman of the Board of Regents and a guy I know you've gotten to know really well over the last year. How, how much are you in contact with the Board of Regents on a, base, on a daily basis? Has much changed with that over, over the last several months? Well, the dynamics of the situation are uh, our work towards uh, understanding what the economic situation is going to look like. Uh, I'm on the phone with them almost every day. Uh, Regent Jim Pillen, uh, the man has the eye of the tiger still. Uh, I think we could still suit Jim up and uh, make him useful on the Husker football team. And I think he'd surprise people at how good he still is. Um, but there's no doubt that, uh, you know, in the late 70s, when Jim was at the height of his game, uh, he, he was a force to be reckoned with and uh, part of Husker lore. Uh, I'm appreciative for the regents that we have from across the state. Uh, they are true patriots. They do it for almost no money. Um, you know, people have no idea how important they are for the fiduciary oversight that we have here at the University of Nebraska. I've come to appreciate them more and more every single day. Very well said, and they do. They all have a love for this, this state and these, these universities as well. President, thank you so much. We do appreciate the updates each and every week. Uh, I know you would rather be at graduation ceremonies this weekend, but uh, what we're dealing with prevents you from doing that. But, again, thank you so much for your precious time here tonight. Thank you, Greg. And I don't know if you can see the screen behind me, but I've got the Memorial Stadium up on my screen, and that's, a, that's what I uh, look for somewhere down the road is that full stadium once again. Love it. Looks great. Thank you, President. Have a great night. Welcome to another edition of Husker Huddle presented by Sap Brothers. I'm your host, Jeremiah Searles. Today we are joined by Husker Blackshirt, current Dallas Cowboy, Lincoln native, Luke Gifford. Luke, Luke how are you doing, my friend? 
I'm good, man. How are you? All hanging in there. Luke, what have you been up to these last uh, couple weeks here as we're supposed to be in OTAs for you and the gang here, but we're sitting here in Lincoln trying to figure out when the world's going to open back up. Uh, how have you been managing yeah. all this? It's been good, man. You know, it's obviously um, kind of frustrating. You'd like to be back at work and getting after it, but just been kind of laying low and uh, working out when I can. Um, we've been, there's been a few of us that have been over here at uh, Slats, Chris Slats, working out and trying to just stay after it and be ready to roll when we can. So, yeah, man, it's, it's different. Um, not really what you would expect, but we're trying to take advantage of the time we have. Luke, we haven't caught up with you here at the Sports Network in a while, so I want to I want to walk it back all the way to last year. You get undrafted free agents of the Cowboys this time last year. You go through making the active roster, getting put on IR, kind of a whole emotion of roller coaster, which is the NFL, and it's not going to get any easier than you know that. But talk to us a little bit about what rookie year was like for you in the NFL and kind of what you took away from it as you head into year two. Yeah, man, um, I really enjoyed my last year. Obviously, I had a lot of ups and downs just with injuries and stuff like that, but um, it was definitely a big learning process. You know, your rookie year is a long year. You go through the draft process, um, mini camp, OTAs, and training camp and preseason. And you now you're taking a lot of a lot of reps in preseason. So to take all those reps in preseason and then go into the to the full season, it's um, it's a long year. Um, it's a lot of work and it's something to get used to, but. I'm excited for it. I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is just learn how to take care of your body and mm -hmm. take care of the weekly grind of the NFL. It's a tough game, obviously. And then to add, you know, whatever it is, like six more weeks um, than you're used to in college and then plus the playoffs, it's it's a lot, man. So just learning how to take care of yourself and, and how to manage your time week to week is super important. I know, I know when I was a rookie, I tried to find vets to latch on to because the faster you can learn that, the longer your, your career will continue. Who are some guys down there in Dallas that maybe you latched on to or took tidbits of advice to start learning how to take care of your body and how to eat right and prepare and watch film and do yeah. all that? Were there some veterans down there that took, the, uh, took you under their wing? For sure. Um, we have a lot of good guys in our room. You know, Sean Lee, uh, Jalen Smith, Lane Vanderesh. Um, all three of those guys have been great to learn from. Um, you know, especially Sean, I sit and listen to Sean in meetings and try and pick up everything I can from him because, you know, him, he's, he's been along, around for a long time and he's a really smart guy and, and he's just a, the ultimate pro, you know, he, he knows how to take care of his body. He's been through a lot of injuries. So just kind of seeing how he does things week to week and the amount of work he puts in during the week with film and, and the things that he eats is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I've tried to take as much as I can from those guys and kind of work it into to my habits. Absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned it as a rookie. You take so many reps from OTAs and a training camp and all of that. Let's talk a little bit about how different this year is going to be for some of those rookies. I want you to go back in time a year from now and think about what NFL life would be like for you if you missed all of OTAs and your first NFL experience was walking onto training camp field. I mean, yeah, you already eyes are opened as it is, but imagine not having that and then just going right into that. Talk to people here and tell them a little bit about how big spring is for a rookie just to get their feet wet a little bit before actual training camp hits. Yeah, it's huge, you know, because um, OTAs and minicamp is really when those young guys get to get some reps. And, um, you know, I can't really imagine not having any rolling into training camp. I, I finally was starting to feel a little more comfortable with the playbook by the time we got to training camp. But without those reps in the spring, uh, it would have made it really hard to be where I was at. Um, you know, when you get to training camp, a lot of the times you got to get your your ones and your twos ready to roll. Um, that's what's most important. So those guys are going to get a lot of the reps, and and you got to take advantage of the reps that you can get. 
So it's it's tough, man. I, I know it's going to be different for those guys, and as vets, it'll be important for us to really help them out and and be be there for them when you can. But yeah, I can't imagine not getting the reps in the spring. Um, that's that's really where I made most of my strides. So that mm-hmm. I was right to roll for training camp. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people understand. You're going to see a record low of undrafted free agents make NFL rosters this year in my opinion, and you're going to see even less rookies produce on the field this year. Strictly based off of that fact alone, the the ability to pick up a playbook like that takes a lot of time. And Luke, I mean, you're a smart guy. You played in a lot of different schemes here. NFL playbooks are a different animal than what they were in college. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and and it's just the way that that it's taught, too. You know, you're you're pretty much pretty much on your own. You get some help and you can go in for extra, but um, they give you an iPad and you're expected to learn it. So and then when you get your number called and, and you get a play or a rep, you got to know what's going on. So it's it's a whole different ball game, and and there's just a lot of different schemes and systems, you know. So if if you're not you're not going to be used to everything. There's there's always going to be stuff that you haven't seen, and and it's definitely going to take take some time to get used to. Again, we have Luke Gifford here on Husker Huddle, presented by Sap Brothers. We want to thank Sap Brothers for sponsoring Husker Huddle, and they want to remind you that their top priority is to keep guests and teammates safe. Sap Brothers is offering full service at the pump as our nation relies on drivers and farmers now more than ever to provide essentials to our communities. Sap Brothers is committed to you. Luke, a lot going on in the world right now, a lot starting to open up, a lot to shut down. How are OTAs being handled by the Dallas Cowboys right now? I know everyone's doing virtual OTAs, but everyone's doing them a little different. How are the Cowboys handling this, and how are you being um, – how is it working for you? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? I mean, obviously, I know you'd rather be there, but how are you uh, acclimating to these virtual OTAs? Yeah, you know, um, we've been having meetings throughout the week, um, just a couple-hour blocks here and there. Um, so th- it's been it's been good. We've gotten a lot done, you know. And for us, we have new coaching staff and a new system, so um, we have a lot more learning than probably a lot of other teams do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been trying to take advantage of the time we can get. You know, obviously, usually you can only have one guy talking um, during those meetings because you can't hear anything. But we try to interact as much as we can and and try to learn in some proactive ways. But yeah, you know. It's really all we can do right now. We're just trying to take care of what we can control. And um, right now we're just trying to get that, that new playbook installed so that when we get there and whenever that may be, we're ready to roll and can, can get out there and run some stuff. Absolutely. I think that the, the teams that are going to do really well this year are going to be the teams that can adapt the best. And um, yeah. I feel for you guys having a new coach, new scheme. And, I mean, even veterans are going to struggle for trying to pick up those playbooks. But it gives guys like yourself and guys that are smart kind of a level playing field where it doesn't matter if you're drafted, undrafted, year two, year seven. When you show up to training camp, it's going to be a pretty clean slate. And I think that that gives you a really a good opportunity um, to make strides on this team there for you, Luke. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's that's one of the things that I kind of have to capitalize on. You know, the situation, while it's not ideal, um, I can definitely make some strides. And, and I feel like if I'm ready to roll when I get there for training camp, then um, I'll kind of have a step up. Uh, you know, I think as a group, we're kind of unique. We have a really good group of linebackers and um, just a really good group of smart guys. Um, so I think we'll really benefit of it benefit from it and i know we've talked about it as a group that if we can really um just kind of take care of of what we can right now that we feel like we can have an advantage rolling into the season absolutely luke before we move on to some uh husker talk here what are some goals for you going into year two here as a dallas cowboy you know i think i just want to really solidify myself um i want to help the team in whatever way i can i know the special teams will always be big for me um so really just be a core guy you know all four special teams and then 
when my number's called on defense, be ready to roll. You know, there's always going to be guys coming in and out with injuries and different opportunities popping up. So when I get my shot, I just want to be ready to, to go out there and help the team and, and, and just use that opportunity, you know, just make sure that when my number's called, I'm ready. Absolutely. All right, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. NFL draft just happened here. We had two key guys go, and Khalil and Carlos David drafted. We had Darian Daniels go as an undrafted free agent. We had uh, Lamar Jackson go as an undrafted free agent. You got to play with three of the four of these guys. Talk a little bit about these two guys, especially these two guys up front, and what they've been through, what they've put in, and how happy you were to see them get their names called the other night. Man, I was super happy for, for all those guys, you know, but Carlos and Khalil, for them to both get drafted and – go through, through the things that they've gone through, all the position changes, the coaching changes, scheme changes. Um, it's pretty cool, man. They're both really good dudes, and they're just super explosive athletes. You know, I think um, I've known since they were young dudes that that they would end up being drafted someday and, and be in the league. So it's not surprising to anyone that's been around them. But, yeah, I'm super happy for those guys. And then the guys that went un, undrafted, you know, I know especially – um, Lamar and Darian and, and Mo too um, all felt like they had a chance to get drafted and and I know how that goes you know it's not a good feeling but at the end of the day it's all all what you do with the opportunity that you get and I think all those guys understand that and, and they're hard workers so they'll take advantage of the opportunity that they have so you know I'm still excited for them at the end of the day um, whether you're drafted late or you're a free agent you're still gonna have to go in there and make plays and prove yourself so they're gonna get the same opportunity that a lot of guys do. Yeah, so I mean, I uh, love seeing Huskers get called in the draft again. Luke, we got a bunch of uh, bunch of things going on here in Lincoln, but football is not one of them at the moment, and it's a question mark if it's going to even happen this fall. But a lot of lot of a lot of questions for this Scott Frost team going into year three, and there's going to be a lot of people asking for answers. And I don't know if it's going to be fair to ask for answers having such a young team with no no spring. But when you look at this roster on offense and defense, what are some positions that you really like? and you think are really primed, ready to go? And what are some positions where you're a little nervous, a little scared to see who's going to step up and take over those roles, like for Carlos and Khalil? Right. Yeah, you know, I think um, defensively, I know a little, little bit more about that side of the ball. But like you said, the defensive line is definitely going to be somewhere where, where some guys are going to have to step up and, and grow into a new role, you know, some young guys for sure. And then I think outside backer, you know, um, there's got to be a pass rush coming from somewhere. And I think outside backer is one of those places that – in this defense, um, for you to be really successful, you got to have something from from the outside backer. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see who steps up there. And then, um, you know, some good parts with the defense. I think the secondary will be really good. Mm -hmm. And then I think Colin and, and Will Honus inside will be really solid. They're good players. So, you know, I think I think um, there's definitely room for growth, um, but they do have some solid places. And and I feel like there's guys on the roster that can make some jumps. You know, they just got to put it together. It's obviously hard without having a spring ball, um, so that hurts. But if they can take advantage of the reps they get in training camp or fall camp and and find some stuff there on the D line and, and a couple guys at outside backer, I think the defense could be really good. Correct me if I'm wrong. But we have another Gifford brother entering the Husker program. Correct? Yeah, we do. How excited to see. He's super. He's super pumped. I'm excited for him. I'm. Uh, he's. Uh, he's actually just coming off his shoulder surgery, so he's. Okay. He's about to get cleared here pretty soon, I think. But um, I'm excited to be able to watch him. It'll be fun to have him down there. Absolutely. All right, Luke. I appreciate your time, man. That wraps it up for this edition of Husker Huddle again, presented by Sap Brothers. And we look forward to seeing how you're going to do in the NFL this year. Whenever that gets started, we appreciate you catching back up for us, and we'll see you soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. It's time for Famous Day's Face-Off. They score! It's the Face-Off! 
Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways, online at FamousDaves.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned. Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Brett Whitty. All right, here we go. Greg, I, I want to maybe make a little correction. I don't know if you were listening during the uh, sports ticker. You said that Ben has been as dominant as the Mammoths in the SNBL. The Mammoths lost to your Harriers today, 14-2. to yeah. He's trying to be uh, humble about where the <laughs> Harriers are. I mean, yeah, no, that... That was a, a beatdown earlier today, but you're, you are right. Ben has been dominant the last two weeks. To recap, he won 4-1 to two weeks ago and 4-zip last week. Woo. So you guys are now in a 3-3 tie overall after six, I, six games. I'm going to throw out a disclaimer. I, I don't feel, fear, feel nearly as, like, a, as desperate, as fire in the belly, as, as confident as I did. I don't know. I, gotta, I just got a feeling this isn't going to go well. Okay. Oh, gosh. Man. Well, I will say this. I, I think the questions this week are pretty pretty tough. I don't uh, – again, last week we threw out the disclaimer. We <laughs> didn't want to say they were easy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We – we – no, no, no. That was Josh. That was Josh. All right. Thanks, Brett. All hey, right. Brett. Hey, guys. Brett with us as well, as you heard in the open. We are the co-hosts. We are going to start with our first question. Let's jump right in. And we start with a football question. Name the three players to score touchdowns in the 1978 Nebraska-Oklahoma football game. We'll give a hint. One player scored multiple touchdowns in the game. And you have to say your name to buzz in. Greg. All right, Greg. <laughs> you get the first guess. This is in the game and not just, not just Husker. You didn't say it, Husker I touchdown, did not right? specify Husker. I said in the game. All right. So I'll go Billy Sims. Is Billy Sims one of the guys who scored a touchdown in that game? That is correct. You got that right. Good work. So you got one of the three. He scored two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns scored by Oklahoma in the game. Now you've got to get the two Huskers that scored. Or you can right. pass it off to Ben. No, I'll play. Uh, Rick Byrne. Is Rick Burns a correct answer? Absolutely. Is. Gonna run the table on this one. You very well might. Only three uh, that he needed to get and just one left right now. Tom Sorley. How about Tom Sorley? No, the quarterback did not. Good guess. Touchdown. I am hip. How about I am hip? One of the all-time great names. <laughs> that is right. All right, Greg, you're not getting I'm shut out this week. Not nice. getting shut out this week. Hip, hip was the only one I probably would have come up with in three guesses, but you, you deserve that. Yep. That I honestly I thought that Rick Burns would be the tough one, but you got that one right away. So good work. He was a leading rusher. In that yeah, game, I think exactly. And that's what I obviously I don't know a whole lot about that era, but I am hip is the one name that I would have said from the '78 season. So, all right, moving on to question number two, Greg, with a r- rare one nothing lead here. <laughs> oh. Who were the op- Who were the opponents for Angelo Altavilla's three career tripper triples? I'll give you a hint. They were all in different seasons. Ben. All right, Ben. Minnesota. Do we have Minnesota? Yes, he did. Uh, he did a triple against Minnesota in 2019. Yeah, last year in the tournament. I'll play it. 
Okay. Utah. Do we have Utah on the board? No Utah. I think that was that might have been the doubles game. I think he had three doubles against them. Um. Why not Michigan? <laughs> Show me Michigan. All right, that's two strikes, one more. Okay. Um. No, that was Mojo who hit the triple in that game. <laughs> um, this is a tough question, by the way. I can, I can just hear the gears grinding in your brain right yeah. now. I've got it between two. I, I want to take back my Michigan guess. That was a bad yeah, guess. Yeah, well, you can't, um, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll say Creighton. All right, is Creighton up there? Oh. Nope. All right. We go to Greg now. I want to say it was. it happened in Arizona down in one of those big ballparks. So yeah. I'm going to say UC Riverside. I, All right. Do we have UC Riverside for the steal? For the steal. Wow. wow. Tempe Diablo. It, was it Tempe Diablo? I don't know exactly, but yes, it was UC Riverside in t- 2018. 2018. Yep. Oh, then that would have been at, Ri- at Riverside, right, Ben? No. That would have been in, in Phoenix. I don't know. They played, don't him in ni- they played him in 19 at, at, at Riverside out, out there. Um, so yeah, give me, it, give me it, one it second was, for the last one. Was it, it, was, it wasn't Iowa, was it? It was not Iowa. Okay. It was Rutgers in 2017, believe it or not. Wouldn't so have got I, them. It, I'm pretty sure it was. It happened at Tempe Diablo Stadium. The Huskers hit like four or five triples that opening weekend because that yeah. big Major League Spring Training Park. Yeah, we can put Brett on that maybe while we go f- for question number three. But, Greg, you've opened up a 2 nothing lead. You're, you're on fire. It looks like we might be headed toward another blowout. But – We ask question number three now. Who are the four teams that played the opening game of the 2018 and 2019 NFL seasons, both on Thursday night? Greg. All right, Greg, you get the first shot. I'll go the Patriots. How about the Patriots? Surprising. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, who are the four teams that played the opening game of the 2018 and 2019 seasons, both on Thursday night. The Rams. Show me the Rams. All right, we'll go back and forth until one of you gets it right. <laughs> uh, the Packers. How about the Packers? There you go, Greg. You're on the, on the I'll, board. I'll, pl- I'll play. Okay. The Bears. Was it the Bears? That was the opponent for the Packers last yeah. year. So now you're Man, going I back to 2018 was, for the other two. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess the Chiefs. Was it the Chiefs? No, oh, that's one strike. I really thought it was the Chiefs Patriots, but uh, okay. So this, I've got, this surprised me. Like I remember the Packers Bears after the fact, but the other one I've had zero recall of that one. Um, about Baltimore. How about the Ravens? No. It's two strikes. Opening game of the season, huh? Yes. My last guess, right? Or am I, am I at least yeah, get yeah, it wrong? Yeah, this is your last uh, guess. Yeah, last, last strike. Um, down to the last strike. 
Give me the Saints. How about the Saints? Oh. All right, Ben. This is a steal. really risky guess. Okay. Um, and I know they've played an opening night before. It might have been longer ago than two years ago. I'm st- they're so bad. I'm worried to guess. I'm scared <laughs> to guess. But I'm going to say the Raiders. Ooh, how about the Raiders? Oh, no, it's not, not right. The, uh, they always play that second Monday night game. Right. That's what they're I was going to say. That, a lot. The mon- I, that was almost a question that we were going to ask was Monday night. But we ended up going with this one. The Falcons and Eagles played each other in 2018. Ugh. Who would have thought of that? That's uh, Well, hmm. the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Exactly. So that may- Man, I really thought it was the Chiefs Patriots. That might have been 17. That those I was thinking Raiders play. Chargers. Yeah. Crazy. That's, that's, that's one of those Monday night games, Ben. I guarantee yeah. that's yeah. the answer to that one. All right. All right uh, That's a shame, yeah, be- Ben. That's, that's too bad. Yeah. Before, be before we move on, to the, <laughs> before we move on to this uh, possible kill shot here from Greg, uh, I will say that the the UC Riverside series was in uh, the Tempe Diablo. Uh, the, it was at the Husker Classic in 2018. Yeah. I don't think you called that, Ben. I think I that might have been Nick, Nick, and I on that one that weekend. That's but true. yeah, the Huskers had like five or six that weekend triples. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Question number four, Greg up 3 nothing for the win. Name the top five leaders in minutes for the Chicago Bulls in the 1997-1998 season. Ben. Greg. Ooh, Ben in first. Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Show me Michael Jordan. Fantastic. I'm going to play it just because I have right. to. Yeah, I mean, you don't yeah, have to. But desperation situation. Scotty Pippen. Do we have Scotty Pippen? Yep, number two in minutes. Dennis Rodman. Do we have Dennis Rodman? All right, third in minutes. All right, yeah, now, now you're like, okay. <laughs> okay, now you got to lock it in. Here we go. Tony Kukoc. Show me Tony Kukoc of Croatia. Just rolling through this Boom. one, Ben. Wow. All right, are we going to have a clean sweep Sweet. here? One more. He was off the team I believe so that'll be a last resort guess um BJ Armstrong do we have BJ Armstrong first strike first strike just need one name Steve Kerr Steve Kerr is he up there man I got it between two um, yeah, he wasn't on the he wasn't on the team then. Um, give me uh, give me Paxson, John Paxson, John Paxson on there. He is not. It moves to Greg. All right, Greg, for the steal. Thinking two names. I'm thinking Luke Longley and Ron Harper. Hmm. I'm going to go Ron Harper. Do we have Ron Harper for the win? Oh, Oh. I'm alive. Your first instinct there was correct, Greg. It was Luke Luke Longley Longley, averaging 29.4 minutes a game. 
50, 50 shot there out of Greg. Wow. And you, How lucky. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was a tough name. Dream Team. Yeah. It's not a sweep. Not a sweep. Not a sweep. It's not a sweep. Three to one, Greg. Greg, you've t- taken the first three, but Ben, you've stayed alive with uh, that win. By the way, that was a question that we had up there last week, and we didn't get to it. So we are we got to it this week, thankfully. So let's uh, let's go on to question number five. We move to baseball here. Who are the top three MLB position players in all-time WAR or wins above replacement? Ben. All right, Ben, in first. Mike Trout. Is Mike Trout on the board? He's not. I'm going to go with a guy that's tearing it up right now in SNBL, and that's Willie Mays. <laughs> is Willie Mays uh, in the top three? He sure is. All right, Greg, you're going to pass the play. I'm going to play. All right. And surprise, Trout wasn't one of them, by the yeah. way, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, he has only played, what, like eight, nine, ten seasons, somewhere in there? So. Right. Give me Mickey Mantle. How about Mickey Mantle? Incorrect. One strike. Should have been on the Mammoths in the SNBL, but instead I get Ty Cobb, so. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Williams? Is Ted Williams up there? Two strikes. Barry Bonds. How about Barry Bonds? One left and one strike to go. This one for the win. I'll go Ben's guy, Babe Ruth. How about Babe Ruth for the win? Man, Babe is actually far and away the all-time career war leader at 182.5. Barry Bonds, 162.8. Willie Mays, 156.2. Wow. You earned well, it. Trout, I, Trout I mean, had to be in the mad. top 10. Yeah. I, so, so Trout's uh, career war, it looks like, is only 72.8 yeah, over see, nine It seasons. takes a while to accumulate. Oh. I, I'm sure that by the end of his career, he's going to be right up there. But He's so had the a few other seasons guy, where it's been 10 and a half, which yeah. is pretty high. The other guy I had on my mind was Cal Ripken. Where is he at? Oh, let's go look. Brad doing some Man, quick, if I, quick research. If I just would have got Luke Longley, this would have been a glorious night. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you still got the win. Four to, you, you kind of like, <laughs> four you to one. got it almost is the thing. Yeah, uh-huh. that's the thing. You were so close. Exactly. You, you said his name. You just didn't You didn't ping in. All right. Uh, Cal Ripken only has a 95.9 war. Oh, so. Okay, so he's a ways down. He, he had some negative wars at, towards the end of his career. There. Well, that's oh. the thing. And he wasn't on teams that were very good. So that hurts. Right. Him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to update, Greg, now you have a four to three lead through seven games. So you uh, back on. you're back on top. And you've won now 20 rounds against Ben's. 18. Ooh, close. Wow. I'm just glad to get on the board tonight. That was the last couple I'm, weeks. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, getting shutouts not fun. So those were. I had a, feel, those were I had a feeling it was a revenge tour tonight. Those were <laughs> difficult <laughs> questions too. I mean, right? And right I'm and glad you earned easy. you earned oh, the yeah, war was, win. No. It wasn't a it wasn't a deal Back where. Into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you earned it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I pulled out Riverside. <laughs> that was kind of a pull, but I sort of remembered that. Uh, yeah. All right. Fun stuff, right? Good yep. stuff right there. And we're delighted to welcome on board the program Jason Jorgensen from our affiliate KRVN out in Lexington. Jason, good evening. I hope you and your family and everybody out there are safe and uh, staying healthy during this virus. 
Well, we're certainly trying, Greg. Like everybody else, it's been a, a trying and an interesting time, but uh, we're we're all doing really well. I think I've done more walking this spring than I can ever remember. I think I know every uh, bump and <laughs> pothole in our streets here in our fine t- city of uh, Elm Creek. So it's it's been good. Jason, one thing that I was really grateful for is that we got the state tournaments in before we had to shut things down, at least for those, particularly those senior high school athletes, at least they had a chance to to finish up that particular season of their high school careers. I think you really have to credit the NSAA now, and I've thought about this a little bit. If we knew then what we know now, they probably don't pull that off, but you have to give great uh, credit to the NSAA and their leadership. They they hung in there. They were able to get through it. As far as I know, no one got sick from being there, so I agree. I agree with you totally. If you stop to think about it, that's probably one of the, maybe the last athletic event that took place in our country. You know, it's it's certainly been an interesting time, and, and now, you know, you, everybody's track and field seasons have been shut down for, for schools that have high school baseball programs. Those have been shut off, the soccer programs. It certainly has been tough to for those in the high school level not to get that thing done. And, and the next thing up on the calendar, once you get through the state track meet and the state baseball tournaments, was going to be the Shrine Bowl, which is usually held in early June in Kearney. They're, they haven't well, they haven't canceled it completely. They've, they've, they've shifted the dates. What's the latest on the Shrine Bowl? Well, they're going to try. Last week I talked to Executive Director Dave McDonald, and, and what they did is they came up with a date, July 11th. And when I talked to him, th- this has been kind of a logistical nightmare because, as he said, you spent an entire year planning this event, and then it starts to dawn on you that, okay, we're not going to be able to play this in early June. So they had to come up with an entire new plan within three weeks. And and keep in mind, you're just not dealing with Kearney. You're also dealing with Lincoln and Crete on the campuses of Wesleyan and Doan where they train. But they've been able to get this all worked out. And hopefully, hopefully if things turn around a little bit, they hope to play it on July 11th. But if they're able to play, that that's a 2 o'clock kickoff. That's that's going to be a warm one that day in Kearney, but but I don't know if anyone's going to mind if if they're they're actually able to play. And and, and I give the Shrine Bowl committee a lot of credit on this because at least they're waiting. They're going to make a final determination in the middle of June on whether they can they can hold the game or not. You know, and I think that's wise. That's one thing that I've kind of questioned through all this is why are we canceling events months out? I saw today that the Big Twelve has canceled their media days in late July in Dallas. It's an event you and I used to see each other at when Nebraska was a member of the Big 12 Conference. They're going to do it virtually, and the Big 10 may go to that as well. But that's still over two months away. That's like nine, ten weeks away. To me, I don't know. Why not just wait four or five weeks? Cut it in half and then see where you are before making a decision. It doesn't make sense to me. Maybe you've had some events in your area that have been. I saw some some towns already cancel their fireworks display on the 14th. July. It all seems a little premature to me. I'm right there with you, and I don't know what all goes into the thinking. There's, and at this point, there's no, you know, wrong or right answer. Folks are just trying to think ahead and be safe with things. But going back to the Shrine Bowl, I mean, at least they're waiting. Unfortunately, the, the Nebraska Coaches Association, all of those All-Star games in Lincoln, and those are normally in later July uh, during the coaches' convention. 
they've already canceled those. So as I said earlier, I, I, I give it to the Shrine Bowl with coming up with plan B and, and trying to get this thing done. When, when I talked to an executive McDonald, they said, what's the interest level? And, and he told me, he said, the coaches are still for it. The players are still for it. First, the most important thing is, can you have the game? Can you have all of the festivities and, and keep everybody safe? Yeah. Jason Jorgensen's with us. He's from our great affiliate KRVN out in Lexington. Um, Husker football recruiting, always a hot topic, particularly when it focuses on somebody from the state. Carney Catholic has had tremendous teams down through the year. And apparently, Jason, there's a heck of a quarterback out there that Scott Frost is looking at. What can you tell us about this young man? Well, uh, you know, Mr. Harburg, he's very talented. Now, now I've never seen him play in person, but in watching his tape, I can only echo what everybody else has said about this kid. You check all the boxes with him from a physical standpoint. He's six foot five, 190 pounds. You can probably add some some pounds and some strength to this kid. He moves well in the pocket. Very, very accurate arm. And the thing I like about him is, and this has been brought up by others who certainly work on more tape than I do, he throws the ball extremely well on the run. I follow him on Twitter like most people do, and I I'm trying to think back to this spring. When I saw the offer from from Wyoming, I thought, okay, this this is eventually going to pop. When will Nebraska eventually offer him? And and now it's happened. But it also sounds like maybe maybe some other big hitters might be knocking on his door. So this is certainly a big deal for Central Nebraska. Well, I think he's gotten offers this week from North Carolina State and maybe a Vanderbilt or somebody else in the SEC. So obviously a really talented kid. What, does he play basketball or is, it, is he just football 24-7? He's not on the basketball team, which kind of surprises me a little bit. I've, I've seen the Carney Catholic basketball team in person the last couple of years. Uh, they, could have, uh, they could have certainly used him. That's a very talented bunch of kids they have right now. But he can scoot. He can throw. He's he's six foot five and it's uh, you don't have to watch too much of his tape to realize why folks are interested in him. Jason, out in your part of the state, Huskers have had three straight seasons now that did not end in a bowl game. Has it has it diminished the hunger for Husker football out there, or where would you gauge the folks in your area that and with the, what their fever is right now for Husker football? Well, it's been tempered a little bit. I mean, it's it's not what it was. I think people, for the most part are still in support of Scott Frost and what he's trying to do. But, boy, the last couple of years have been been disappointing. And I, I don't know. I, I think they just like to see some positives like everyone else. And I'm sure eventually it will come. And as you well know, people's patience level is, is not what it was 20 years ago. And it takes a while to get things fixed. But I think people are still on board. But at this point, I think people just want to see football. <laughs> they just want to see some games come this fall, and everyone's crossing their fingers, hoping that happens. Yeah, definitely wanted to see something happen. Jason, we certainly appreciate the time. Always good to hear hear your voice. Try to stay busy, stay healthy, and hopefully we'll see each other in Chicago for media days in a couple of months. You bet. And I just want to say, I hope folks realize the great job you guys are doing. It can't be easy to come up with three hours of content five nights out of the week when there's no games are going on. So for KRVN and our company, uh, you guys keep up the great work. 
You know, it's really remarkable that Bellevue West program, Ben, how successful they have been. We've talked a lot about them tonight because of Keegan Johnson's decision today. But Xavier Betts came out of there a year ago that's going to be in Lincoln starting in a month or so to be a part of Husker football from this point on. That's pretty remarkable to have a handful of Division One players coming out of a program in Omaha. That speaks really highly of what they've done up there. Yeah, absolutely. A.J. Forbes, too, who mm-hmm. has decided that he's transferring um, from Nebraska, moving on. And then, you know, go back a couple of years, Jalen Bradley, who set all kinds of state records for, for Bell West. I mean, they've had a tremendous run, and Coach Huffman's done a really good job. They've sent they've sent kids everywhere, uh, Wyoming and a number of the FCS schools. We've seen a, a nice run of, of talent run through that program. Before that, it was Omaha North. You know, you go back to the year that, that I was in high school, Niles Paul and Philip Bates, Omaha North had a good run there as well. Uh, Millard West has sent some some solid players, you know, to the next level. And uh, obviously Grand Island out west here, you know, has, has pumped out a few. And, you know, we've seen uh, we've, we've seen little pops, pockets pop up, you know, in, in the Omaha Metro and specifically um, the Omaha Metro the last, you know, five, six years has really turned the corner. Um, you know, you think about some pretty high-profile athletes that have have come out of Omaha, Omaha South, Omaha Central. There's been there's been some good players that come through here. Yeah, no doubt. I you know, so you mentioned AJ Forbes. He has put his name in the transfer portal. A walk-on offensive lineman, a uh, young man who was who, who kind of, he walked on to Nebraska from Iowa Western. He's also gone to the transfer portal. Trevino from Lincoln Southeast. That's a pretty good football program, too. It's pumped out some pretty good players, including yeah. Luke Gifford, who we had early in the program. And somebody today said, what's going on with this? And I go, well, Nebraska, for Title IX purposes, they've got to keep their roster right around 150. Well, we're adding 15, 20 walk-ons a year, plus the scholarship guys. So you expect attrition with scholarship players, but you also have to have attrition in walk-ons to keep your roster about 150. So you shouldn't be surprised. I mean, and this is happening now because we're at the end of the semester. We would have been at the end of spring practice. So that's why you're seeing some player movement now. Because this guy's like, well, what, why is this happening? And I'm like, well, because the semester's about to end. These, these young guys have had conversations with the coaches, and Nebraska's having to tell some guys, we don't have room for you anymore. we got to keep it right around 150 or early, low 150s for title line purposes. So that's hope that explains that for some folks. And I think the other thing we need to point out, too, is you know when these walk-ons leave, they're looking for an opportunity. And, and they're, they're given an opportunity at Nebraska, and oftentimes after a year, two years, three years, a lot of them see the writing on the, on the wall that, you know, they, they see their ceiling. You know, they see these scholarship guys come in, and they understand they might be third, fourth, fifth on the depth chart and know that their opportunity is well, – they'll still get that in practice, but the climb to, to being able to run out of the tunnel in Memorial Stadium and, and play on that turf on Tom Osborne Field is a, is a lot steeper of a climb than maybe they realize. And they use their opportunity in Nebraska to get bigger, stronger, uh, better grasp of the game, better better grasp of what top-notch competition is like, and, and, and go use that experience somewhere else. We've seen a lot of guys, Greg, you know, a lot of walk-ons that – that decide maybe the FCS route is a better way to go, and they'll they'll be on the field there all the time, and you know use that opportunity that Nebraska has given them somewhere else. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's it's part of the beauty of the of the walk-on program here. Isaiah Stalbert, Eli Sullivan, two perfect examples DBs that I think can can start at some FCS schools 
get scholarship money. I can't blame them at all for that. Plus, along the offensive line, as we've been detailing, that group's getting pretty deep with some just giant men that are coming into this program for the Huskers. What a good hour. Thanks again to Jason Jorgensen for spending some time with us. Quick look ahead to tomorrow night. What a treat we're going to have is you and University of Nebraska-Lincoln Chancellor Ronnie Green is going to stop by. We're going to talk to Board of Regent Chairman Jim Pillen, who was also part of that 1978 clash with Oklahoma. He was the defensive player of the week in the Big 8 Conference for what he did. And that will get his remembrances of that game tomorrow night. And Thursday means Teddy Greenstein's coming by as well. So we'll talk to our man from the Chicago Tribune. All that coming up tomorrow night.